0: Hi, everyone. I'm Taylor Pangman, and welcome to episode 20 of the Motherhood Project. This week's guest is Nicole McLaughlin. She's a licensed acupuncturist located in Washington, D.C., and she specializes in treating musculoskeletal, neurological, and reproductive conditions through her expertise in acupuncture, cupping, herbal medicine, and essential oils. She enjoys working with women who are interested in getting pregnant and women who are looking for postnatal care. If you know me personally, you know I'm obsessed with acupuncture. I've been going, um, well, I haven't really been going since Blue was born. And then, of course, because of COVID. But it's still one of my favorite self-care practices, especially now as a mama. You know, Blue is constantly moving, which means I'm constantly moving around with her. And I crave being back at my local acupuncture spot where... I'd be laying on the table with the dim lights and there's relaxing sounds and smells and just resting in the silence. I've been going to acupuncture for probably four years, I think, really since I moved to San Francisco. And I'm that super nerdy client that asks a ton of questions like, why did you put the needle there? And what does that do? And anytime they would recommend a tincture or an herb concoction... I would always spend some time to look it up and just study about it because I thought it was so interesting So I was extremely excited to chat with and to learn from Nicole And now I can't wait to share this this wisdom or her wisdom with all of you In this episode we talk about the importance of support like therapy acupuncture and mama's groups Nicole also shares what it was like to give birth during covid and having a virtual doula by her side We talk about childbirth motherhood and trying to focus on the things you can control because there are so many things you just can't. And of course we talk about acupuncture. What is it? How does it work? And how is it a great support for mamas no matter where you are in your journey? And also Nicole shares a simple acupressure massage exercise you can do right now to bring some circulation and relaxation into your body. This woman is a wealth of knowledge. If you're interested in acupuncture as a self-care practice for you, or interested in learning more about how acupuncture can support you during pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, or just life, you're going to love this episode. And I highly recommend after uh, after you take a listen, go look at the show notes for this episode because Nicole gave me a ridiculous amazing long list of resources to share with all of you. All right, let's dive into this week's episode.
1: I guess I first identify in my professional career as an acupuncturist. And now that I'm becoming a new mother, there's a whole different set of um, an identity shift It's kind of new for me to introduce myself as a mother. Mm. And I have a 14-week-old baby named Sophia Violet. And she truly is our pride and joy. And um, I have a wonderful husband. His name is Sri Ram. And um, when it comes to being an acupuncturist, I've been in the field for Ten years starting school and out in the actual practice for five years and I've journeyed with a lot of women who come to me for anything related to perinatal support, whether it's um, Wanting to get pregnant, getting pregnant and even postpartum care. And um, though I have treated a variety of people along the way, um, so it's not
0: exclusive. And so you, you just had your, your baby girl. Three and a half months. Oh my gosh. So you, you're just leaving the fourth trimester.
1: I'm leaving the fourth trimester and entering the fourth month of um, <laughs> regression, which I had no yes. idea what that was. <laughs> Um, until her bed or like, she actually has been a really good sleeper where, uh, generally she gets up once a night and we, um, she will fall asleep before nine and, and get up around five. And when that happened, I was like, Oh, I'm (laughs) going to like have my sanity back because I can, I could, I could start to believe that I might be getting more sleep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then over this past week, it's just gotten shorter and shorter of that wake time. So now she's waking up at 2.30 and then um, having her second breakfast because we're running on Hobbit time. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so she gets up again at like 5.30. So once I learned that it wasn't just me, and that this is an actual phenomenon that no one oh, yes. wanted to you talk to me about, not alone. I was like, I I could quell down the worry
0: of like, why is this happening? I thought yes. we were doing everything. <laughs> when when my daughter was born, we had we lucked out where we had a circle of mamas that and and babies that were all due around the same time, and um. So we'd go through milestones together and oftentimes in the middle of the night, like I remember that time, the fourth trimester was like just ending and then everyone's like, holy hell, did you guys know about this thing? Like, (laughs) because a couple of the babies were, I think one or two of them even was like three or four weeks older than my daughter. So it's like I got a pretty good, like, warning sign from them of, like, just a heads up. This might be coming your way. I'm not trying to freak you out, but this is what's happening. And then another mom would circle and would be like, oh, my God, yes, yeah, same thing for me. And I'm sitting there like, oh, God, you know, here we go. It's coming. And But it did help. But, yes, I will say you are definitely not alone, and it it definitely goes by. <laughs> it definitely passes, but – yeah, it's like it feels like a cruel joke, right? Where you're like you've just maybe recovered from birth and you're going through the third to fourth trimester. And then that hits after and you're like, "Oh my gosh." But after that, I think I think you're pretty smooth sailing after that if I can remember correctly. We're yeah. we're almost right, 10 months. Ago. Right
1: now I'm starting to feel like because I've made the benchmark of the end of the fourth trimester, I definitely feel more confident And I feel, um, compared to when I first left the hospital, and I feel like uh, just being able to know what to do or have the intuition to follow the the impulse of Mm -hmm. what, what, what needs to happen next. But in terms of the fourth trimester, it was a very interesting period to go through that and... Um, In Chinese medicine, they refer to that as a very special time in a woman's life. And usually, if you're following a traditional method that you really try to be in that cocoon as Mm -hmm. well, and to not have social engagements and really try to rest when the baby's resting and and really not engage with the outside world. And I remember thinking before delivery, like, can I honor that because of our fast paced world? And mm. and also just like other relatives, just eager to want to meet this new little being. And, um, and, you know, and we were able to actually go through the fourth trimester and it'd be fairly quiet. Oh that's wonderful. I I what I've learned is that it's it's different for everyone and I I did join a a new mommies group in June and uh based on what's going on we we have been meeting for that first six, six it was a six week we meet once a week mm-hmm. and we were um meeting through Zoom and there was a facilitator. And so um w- Two of the other ladies in the group also gave birth on the same day, oh so that gosh. was like what? That's so special. Yeah, and so and so anyway, just being a part of this mama circle has—it's really nice to be a part of a, a collective and in, mm-hmm. in a small group and to just bounce ideas and share share. Um, so I I have found that emotional support to be really good. Um and um and it's like a constant standing date every Tuesday at 1 PM like we're gonna gather. Yes. And uh and I I um also I also um sought out a therapist uh a couple weeks before I delivered and I've been um talking And this is my first time receiving therapy and I really am enjoying it because it's just really great to speak to a professional who also specializes in this um, medium and be able to really hear me and also not necessarily provide, um, you know, like, recommendations, but more just hearing me. And Mm -hmm. with all the changes that have been happening in my body and all the things related to essentially sleep deprivation that can really mess with your emotions and that stability, it's been so great to connect with a mother who is who has gone through the process and who can be that anchor Mm -hmm. in addition to my husband because we spend, we're spending obviously like all the time with one another. And, um, and so it's just great to be able to have someone who can hear what's going on and, and really zone in on the thing that could, where we could go deeper if there was a, a, a pivot in the conversation.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I know that's something we, we chatted about briefly when we first chatted. And I'm going to dive deeper into that as we continue to talk about your practice and how how that kind of led you to think proactively about the postpartum phase, which I think is so important and so wonderful that you did. Um, but yeah, I just want to uh, pause for a moment and just um, thank you for sharing that because I know that there is sometimes this weird cloud of um, shame or embarrassment sometimes when people talk about therapy and I'm a huge supporter of it you know it's helped me in my life as well as in like for my, my husband and I um, and actually we had been seeing somebody off and on for a while just mostly to to learn about how to communicate better with each other and then we had a daughter and then COVID hit. And we're like, okay, we need some new tools here. (laughs) And we live in a very, we live in a 700 square foot condo. I feel like I say this in every single episode, but I feel like it like amplifies a lot of things. It's very relevant. So yeah, we live in a very small space. And then to try to figure out how life works in that space during this time, you know, there's no shame to say like, hey, we need some extra help. Or the tools that we have that we either grew up learning or acquired as adults, like aren't helping right now. They're not relevant. And so um, I think that it's really important to just put a pause on that and also to just acknowledge what you said because it's the postpartum phase, whether COVID's happening or not, is just a different time. It's a different experience. And it's super helpful to have somebody in your court who is unbiased, just listening, and can offer up a fresh perspective. So for sure, yeah, I, I appreciate I, you sharing that. Yeah, I guess
1: I, I too want to remove any stigma related to asking for help. Um, and I, I know that going through this process, my husband, Sri Ram, has been also eager to become a dad and has wanted to help out in every, you know, way that he can And um, But he's also looking to me for, like, guidance and suggestions. And so in the beginning when we were um, getting up in the middle of the night, he was getting up with me and, like, helping with either getting the the things that I needed to breastfeed or, you know, get me water. and, And so it really helps when you're approaching this and not feeling so alone and really trying to... Um, acknowledge that this is a partnership and that um, and it's so hard to be an effective communicator when you are feeling so tired or you're feeling like I can't talk right now I you know I just like these are the things that I need. And, and so (laughs) these are the things I will always need. (laughs) And so, so being able to have that back and forth, like he Mm. he gets it, but like, he definitely is not a mind reader. And so I'm just like, okay, um, this is something that's important to me and learning how to realize how priorities shift when another person comes into the picture, particularly a baby. So like things that were priorities for me before having a child is not as important as, um, as other, other things that are coming directly right in front of me.
0: Yeah. It's funny how I found at least that like priorities shift for sure. And they definitely seem to pull like your most basic needs out like towards you of like, wow, this is really the only things that really matter to me right now. Like, I just need a lot of water. I need a lot of food. I need to get as much sleep as I can, which is usually three hours. <laughs> and I would love a shower. It's not a need, but I would love a shower. <laughs> and then like, if you get those things during the day, nothing else matters. Like As long as I'm fed. <laughs> and you're like, definitely you're yourself, right? Where it's like, I just want to sleep. I just need to eat. Maybe a warm blanket, maybe a hug. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
1: So, uh-huh. um, a, um, a lactation consultant um, recommended, she said, get a bowl, fill it with, um, you know, um, different types of nutritional bars, whatever you like, and fresh fruit. Always have your water bottle. Mm-hmm. Take care of your needs first. So, go to the bathroom before you feed, have everything within arm's reach. And I, I took that to heart, and I I created that setup, and I was like, "Wow, she that was that was a good piece of advice." Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's been, um, but yeah, being able to just also see how your your milk is like growing a person. Yeah, it is incredible to see all the physical changes with your baby, um, from like the fuzzy hair that starts to sprout or like, wow, look at those hands they are so big, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or look how long she is. So it's just, um, and it, it's just, it, it is truly mind blowing. And it, I, I never really hit home until you're, until you're breastfeeding, you know, essentially eight times a day seven (laughs) days a week every three hours Mm -hmm. and then like you know kind of fluctuating with the time as they grow so uh so that has been huge it's been so huge to to participate in this and to really kind of recognize how awesome it is to to be able to to do this without necessarily thinking. It's like your body can just, it's, it's really miraculous.
0: One thing I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, your, so your daughter's 14 weeks. What was it like to, to give birth during COVID, during the pandemic? And also as you, as things were unfolding, cause I mean, it, you were, so 12 weeks ago, that was like but that was was in the middle of this, right? Like it it didn't, it had already started. We kind of knew what was happening. Things were shutting down. So what was going on, you know, in your head as you're preparing for becoming a mom and before, you know, for birth, how, how was that experience? Well, our office
1: closed um, on March 16th and I delivered on April 9th. So it was three weeks. And I was already planning to go on maternity leave a week from that point. So it wasn't too far off on what I was kind of preparing myself um, mentally and psychologically for leading up to this huge moment in my life. And, um, but in terms of how things escalated so quickly and how everything shut down so quickly. And Mm -hmm. there were so many things at that time that were just getting put into place, whether in terms of protocols for hygiene and, um, related to the hospital Mm -hmm. and being able to interact with patients Um, you know, the world doesn't, even if, even if everything shuts down, the world doesn't stop. And like women are still having babies. And so I started seeking out groups online on Facebook, like expecting mothers through COVID. And honestly participating in the things that were happening, it just created um, like more hysteria for me. So I had to actually... not look at things related to social media and I had to um, really think about <clears throat> what I was actually going through. And the the thing that really caught me off guard because I had expected to have a doula um, in person mm-hmm. uh, for the delivery. And um, within a week of delivering, we got the news from the um, Doula team that that they would not be allowed to be at the hospital, and that put me into a place where i I felt like I needed to be really proactive, so that was when I sought out the therapist and I was like i I need support you know, and we found out that uh, the doulas Um, even though they couldn't be there in person they were trying to pivot as well and provide digital uh, virtual services so we thought virtual is better than nothing and it ended up being wonderful it was so great to have that emotional support and the experience of someone who has been uh, doing this for 20 years and who could uh, navig- help me navigate through the the experience. Uh, so when it was time to go to the hospital, she was like, pack a bag. And we had our hospital bags packed, but it was just, she knew that this is like a turning point. So we got into the car and along, you know, we, we went to the hospital. And
0: you had, so you had your doula on the yeah, phone. Yeah, Jen. Jen. While you were on, while you're in labor, like at home, and then she's kind of coaching you guys. Like, it sounds like things are like progressing. Let Like, let's all <laughs> pick me up in the phone and let's go to the hospital. <laughs>
1: well, you know, actually what set everything off wasn't my labor pains as it was. I went from my 41 uh, week visit to my OB <clears throat> and uh, since I'm over 35, she said, you know, let's do this um, procedure called the membrane sweep. And, oh, yeah. I didn't, I and so, mm-hmm. so I, I didn't know what it was, but she's like, let's get this party started. And I was scheduled for an induction two days later. So I said, sure, why not? And when she did that, uh, she after she finished the procedure, she said, you know, you're bleeding Um, uh, more than what I typically see. So if it gets worse, I want you to call the doctor on duty and um, because it's a a rotating um, clinic. And so, so the bleeding did get worse and um, out of you know, concerned that it might be the placenta. We didn't want that. Um, We, I called Jen, the doula, and she said, call the doctor. So I called Dr. Kleesberg and, and, and Dr. Kleesberg said, you know, just come in. I'm probably going to send you home. And then when I spoke to Jen, she said, she's not going to send you home. She's (laughs) going to want to like usher it along. So I wasn't actually experiencing labor pains uh, in the way that most people, you know, go through the pre-labor process.
0: So when you were talking about virtual support, it was just that you had this other person that you could then bounce things off of. Got it. Okay. And
1: so, and so when we got to the hospital, we pretty much spent a a 24 hour period pre-labor just Mm -hmm. waiting for my, um, cervix to dilate. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was put on Pitocin to, you know, have allow that to happen, but it's, um, Sri Ram jokes that, you know, the highlight of the experience was (laughs) the, um, the head nurse, um, Kathy saying, okay, Nicole, it's time for you to turn from your left side to your right side. Uh, because because even though I was having contractions, I wasn't really feeling them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and when we first got to the hospital, there was a little bit of a panic where um, the doctor Kleesberg had seen um, just a fluke w- where uh, Sophia's breath, you know, dropped mm-hmm. and her heart rate dropped, so mm-hmm. she was preparing to do an emergency C section without me being awake for that and my plan was to have a natural birth (laughs) and so i was like whoa this is like completely the opposite spectrum of what i was wishing for and it was happening so quickly i Uh didn't even have time to express that so the game plan from that moment had been how do you avoid that and so the protocol she took was like, if you have an epidural, if, and this happens again, at least you can be awake during the, um, a cesarean. Hmm. That's what I opted for. So I got, a um, an epidural and I actually, um, had a great experience. Uh, Dr. Bazzini, the anesthesiologist, he came into the room and he said he had a large personality and he's like, hi. Dr. uh, Bazzini uh, and he's like you can call me Dr. B and he he basically explained what he was going to do and asked if I had any questions and I said I know where you're going between L2 and L3 and he said actually I'm an L4 L5 kind of guy because there's more space and and because we were talking shop he knew he was like what do you do and I said I'm an acupuncturist and he said earnestly, can I be an acupuncturist? And I said, sure, just go through the training. And we just hit it off. There was like really um, the banter oh, back great. and forth. I felt comfortable in his presence. And I was surprised that I had so much mobility in my legs. I was expecting to be completely numb from the belly button down. And I, I have to say that things have changed over, you know, 30 years. And uh, I had a lot of mobility. I I could lift my backside. I could um, move from left to right. I could wiggle my toes. So when it came time to actually deliver when I was fully dilated, it was five minutes to midnight. And uh, Kathy had said, okay, we're gonna do a practice push. And she gave me all these directives. And I gave the practice push and she said, great. She's like, and she, and I didn't know, but um, Sophia was already crowning and she called the doctor and she said, you got to come. She's delivering. And so then she said, okay, let's do a real push. And so I said, okay. And so I'm like holding Sri Ram and her and I give a second push. And by the second push, I could feel Sophia's head already like coming out with no, um, pressure on my side. And I burst out and said, she's coming, she's coming. (laughs) (laughs) And so she called the doctor a second time on duty and, uh, and, and said, you've got to come, she's delivering. And so the doctor came in and, uh, Dr. Malice, and she, And she just suited up and I gave one more push and she came out like, so that's kind of what it felt like. It was like, I was like three pushes and boom on my chest. And Uh I was expecting like, you know, hours of labor. And I know that doesn't typically happen, especially for the first child, but I had turned to Jen previously because she's on the computer and I Jen, how long is this going to take? And she, <laughs> she laughed. She was like, I can't tell you that. It's, It could happen anywhere between an hour to six hours. And so her advice and Kathy's advice was like, rest up because you're going to need it. You know, mm-hmm. and she kept, they kept saying that. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, so.
0: That's so just- wonderful. And, you know, I think sometimes... I'm really, I'm really glad that you shared that story too, because I think what was being painted. I mean, you're the, you're the only person that I've spoken to so far that has delivered during COVID. So I didn't know what that experience is like. And of course you're hearing, you're hearing a lot of negative stories about how partners aren't able to be in there with them. And um, yeah, you think about, I mean, originally when you said, You know, if I was if I was in your shoes, thinking I couldn't have my doula, we had a doula too, and it was like, ah, if we have another kid, I would probably even do it again because it's just so wonderful having that extra support for both of us. You know, my husband and I to say, is this normal? Like, what what do we do now? (laughs) Like, like okay, this is fine. This this hurts. This is how it's supposed to be. Okay, now I can kind of drop into that. And um, but it's wonderful to hear that even through that you know, you are still able to, to have your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, I mean, I just love, I love your outlook too, right. Where, you know, it's maybe some people would focus on the fact that things aren't going according to plan. You know, you're like, well, some support is better than none. And you had your doula on, you know, the screen, a laptop or a phone. And, um, you know, like every birth story I've heard and even my own when things don't, things don't go the way that you plan. 99% of the time, there's always something that switches things up. And um, yeah, you just, it sounds like you had like a wonderful experience. And also, you know, the, the processing that you've clearly done after that through your support with, um, yeah, I'm sure you did some stuff with the doula as well. They usually kind of have some kind of like wrap up process of sorts. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the therapy, as well. Um, that's wonderful. And yeah, it was, I was just curious what that was, you know, what that experience was like, as you know, like you're going into it, you're hearing different things and um, yeah, like props to you for all the things that you did to, to just, yeah, to just acknowledge like, okay, um, these are the things I can't control. These are some things that I can try and control or try and learn more about so that I can at least get my headspace in a place that i feel more comfortable with and that's yeah. that's really the most important thing i think about being a mom in general because even after you have birth like there's so many there's so many things that you can't control and mm. to then just try and look at situations like even the fourth trimester like these are all the things i can't control i can't get her you know i didn't have the experience of a sleeping you know, that sleeping period she she we had a very difficult time with my daughter the fourth trimester with that and um, there was a lot of things we couldn't control, and um, yeah, I like that perspective of of just pausing for a second and trying to think about what you can do for yourself to get yourself some more support. That's yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the things because um, because there is a whole world of and. Uh, I don't, th- I don't know how well people know about it, but there is a whole world related to the acupuncture world and the whole birthing process. And so, when I was having my experience, I started tuning in more and more professionally, like what types of conversations were being had, and I, um, I actually came across this book in December that just came out, and it's uh, written by an acupuncturist who's also a teacher, and she, her name is Claudia Sikovich, and the book is called Acupressure and Acupuncture During Birth, hmm. so um, she, um, it's a wonderful guide. It's, it's generally used for acupuncturists and birth specialists. Uh, in terms of learning about specific acupressure points to use before delivery and even postpartum care, uh, and another um, East Asian medicine techniques, and so I I read that like in in March I was like okay what do I need you know and so it was there were just uh, several things that really changed the experience where and I asked Jen I was like is this too much she's like no this is your birth like you get to do you know it whatever you can control like you know make it happen so I brought uh these lotus uh, led candles and I put them around the bed and I brought my essential oil diffuser to try to keep my nerves you know calm and my my husband loves music so do I but like uh he tuned into something super simple like ambient sounds and uh you know brought a little portable speaker so what surprised me about that 24-hour period leading up to it was that every uh practitioner who came into the room they would always have a comment to say like oh it smells so good in here or oh it oh it's so beautiful in here or like wow I, I love the I, I love the music
0: you're playing you turned it and into a spa
1: it was well it was something where I was like I didn't realize that we were creating an environment that would affect other people because I was so mm. self-involved with like just the nervousness of like how things unfold because I I do know that it's a difficult it can be very difficult and I was and things can change very quickly and so what could I do and 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 so often it was it was a powerful experience after the fact where I realized wow this setting a mood is changing the whole vibration of how people enter and and it's really so uplifting to see other people come into the experience who might be in a different headspace and going through different rooms. And so it's just really helpful to, to like literally bring that energy down.
0: Hmm. So. You know, you kind of just dabbled at this at the end. So it's a perfect, a perfect transition where you talk about this, this book that you mentioned about different acupressure and acupressure and acupuncture for that time for birth. And so I want to I want to ask first just to set the the stage for anyone listening in who might not even really be familiar. I mean, I think people know that acupuncture exists for the most part, you know, we know that you put little needles in other things and and do other things with herbs and but let's just start with a basic question. You know, what is acupuncture? How does it work and how can it support women in general, not just for you know, prenatal, postnatal, but in general, and then maybe we can talk a little bit a bit more about specifically during pregnancy and postpartum time.
1: Acupuncture is a medical specialty and it is the insertion of fine needles, um, typically along the spine and different structures along the body to help regulate and move things that could be causing pain. So it's best known for pain relief, um, though the actions of the direction of energy can can do multiple things. So many people come because they may be experiencing some type of back pain, uh, but generally what is happening to release the pain naturally is that there are meridians energetic pathways that travel through organ systems and along the bones and these pathways that run from the center of the body out to the extremities um, basically can be utilized in a way to um, move things that may be stuck or support someone who is feeling fatigued um, in terms of promoting circulation and it can also be used in ways that are enhancing, so it's been around for oh you know documented for over two thousand years, and the reason why it's survived through the centuries is because it works and it is effective and uh you know. Physicians stumble upon it and realize that their patients are benefiting from it, and then they just continue to discover all the things that it can do.
0: So it's um, it's an extraordinary field. The first time we spoke, I mentioned my own experience with it, and a lot of the people that I've met that came into acupuncture actually came, came through the practice, the medicine through Uh, trying to find a solution to something that western medicine couldn't provide an answer for and mine was also pain it was uh, related to my my menstrual cycle somehow I still don't really have a clear answer as to what it what it is Um, but I think also through acupuncture it gave me a little bit more peace of mind of like I don't need to diagnose it as this thing like as like um Like my best, the best words I can use for it would be like something like endometriosis, but I don't need to give it a name. I just want to treat like the symptoms. I want to treat what I'm feeling, and it's just a different. It's helped me change my mindset on health in general and wellness in general, and also being more preventative with my with my health as well. I'm really glad that I'm able to bring you on the show and talk about it because acupuncture is like my number one favorite, favorite, favorite. Like wellness practice for myself of self care. Mm -hmm. I have not been, unfortunately, since I've been since Blue was born, but um, not as much as I used to. I used to go like at least once a month, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: um, I love it so much. And I'm a huge proponent to what it's done for not only my nervous system, but also my body and little aches and pains that I've been feeling. Um, So, yeah, huge proponent. And I wanted to share that more because I think also um it's very supportive of women and our and our bodies which is i feel like seriously lacking from our current um medical services um and there's a lot that we don't know um in western medicine around supporting women and so if something Something does go wrong. I felt like you can be very limited in the things and the type of treatments that they have to offer. And acupuncture is is just another wonderful door. If you open it, there's so many more things that you can do to support your body. Um, So I want to kind of transition to that a little bit more and speaking more towards acupuncture specifically with women's bodies and also during the time of prenatal, postnatal. What are the types of services that you offer that can be helpful for women in those phases and, and how does it help? So
1: when I think about acupuncture, I often think about it being more than just needles. It is a whole way of life and when it comes to actually coming into the office and what to expect, the various things that you can experience in East Asian medicine relate to acupuncture, Chinese herbs, cupping, moxibustion, twina massage. And um, within that compendium, you know, for instance, I really love essential oils. Essential oils would be within the herbal medicine component because Mm -hmm. all of the single essential oils are single herbs, whether it's um, lavender or bergamot or um, geranium and within essential oil blends where um, say a company combines different plants together to make a harmonious fragrance that is it can be applied to acupuncture points uh, within either acupressure where a practitioner palpates the body with the essential oil as an alternative to the needles so you know if a person has an aversion to needles which a lot of people do uh Another method would be to use uh essential oils to access points on the body that can help m- the movement of energy
0: mm-hmm. Does that also work with um uh, like ear seeds Is that acupressure so ear seeds are um, a form of
1: acupressure there's nothing actually being inserted. And those little seeds can be applied to other points in the body, not just the ears, but they can be used in the ears. And that was popularized by um, like treating PTSD. So there within the ear, uh, there are hundreds of points. There's a whole map of the body and it's kind of cool, but if you can think about um, a baby in the womb, the lobe represents the head, and the curve of the ear represents the spine, and everything on the inside represents organ systems. And so, a protocol that is often used is a five point acupuncture protocol to help um, calm the nervous system and also to cleanse specific organs such as the liver, kidneys, and the lungs. Mm. It, it, it's actually called um, auricular acupuncture. The doctor who developed that I believe was in the 1500s. It was Dr. Nogier and he was a European um, French uh, physician who traveled through Asia. And after studying in Asia, he came back to Europe and and developed this and How Fast forward to the 1980s, um, it became revitalized by um, Terry Olson, who is an acupuncturist in New York City, and it was often used to treat um, different forms of addiction. And so it was a a safe, um, effective method for helping reduce stress and to curb cravings yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Hmm. I've done the ear seeds many a times. I usually try and do them actually the night before or the day before I fly because I'm kind of a nervous flyer. Oh, yeah. So I'll put them in like the nervous spots uh, for anxiety or something and um, play around but with don't. them that way. I also do the um, uh, the acupressure bands that mm-hmm. you can get, the C bands that are, are also good, I guess, for motion sickness. Um I love all that. (laughs) I actually have a whole routine when I fly. I really don't like flying. (laughs) And especially now we've flown a lot with my daughter because our family live families live everywhere. And I found like the actual flights aren't actually that bad. It's just like the the buildup to it. But I have a whole routine where I used to wear these noise canceling headphones. I'd put some like lavender oil on, I do the acupressure bands. And even if it was just like, I used to tell myself, even if this is placebo, just the like routine of it, but There's definitely a difference. So I love all that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I took a course a couple of years ago with Peter Holmes, who is an herbalist and an acupuncturist. And he uh, was focusing on how essential oils can be used to treat uh, gynecology uh, disorders. And so I thought to myself, how is it through smelling that one could actually help heal? like between the pelvic floor and the navel, and I learned that through olfaction, which is the act of smelling, that basically it sends signals to your brain and um, goes to the um, pituitary gland, which helps regulate hormones, and those hormones interact with what's happening with your menstrual cycle, and so I, I definitely there's there is research around um how how the things that we do say with you using lavender oil that is a a fantastic herb that is antifungal and antimicrobial and it's it's a healing plant and so it it also uplifts mood and it's slightly mm-hmm. sedative so it's one of those Key herbs that if you are feeling a sense of restlessness or have the inability to sit still, or you are looking to try to fall asleep, it's a great Mm go-to, and it's so uh, wonderful that you can you do it yourself. So you know, like you just find what you like, and um, and and I consider that all of those things to be a form of self-care.
0: Yeah. There are so many brands out there of essential oils. Um, Are there ones that you, you really stand by and that you really support and, and are good quality that you'd recommend? So uh Peter
1: has a whole line called Snow Lotus, and he is based in um, Santa Rosa, California. And he's gone all over the world to develop like positive relationships with farmers where the you know the extraction process is happening um in a way that is good for everyone and so i and it's amazing that when you get introduced to something good, you can start to smell when something is synthetic or when things mm. when there are fillers in them, and so uh I use snow lotus in my treatments, and, um, and, you know, um, patients can order them themselves, or they can order it through me, um, I also like this brand, um, based in Chicago, it, it's um, called e- e- Ensenchia and it's combining essence with chi, S-N-C-I-A, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so this person not only developed essential oils, but takes into consideration the Ayurvedic um, seven chakra system that runs along the spine. And um, he is also involved in, uh, I I believe he's a a Qigong uh, practitioner, like master level. So uh, I really think that there's a lot to that tapping into the, those primal instincts, like our nose, like brings up memories. It helps, you know, it's part of our protective field. Uh, so there's lots of ways that you can use oils to heal different parts of your body, whether Mm -hmm. it's on the floor or in the center, or you, you want to connect, um, you know, maybe you're searching.
0: Yeah. I wanted to also ask, in terms of postnatal support, so do you do a something called mama roasting?
1: I don't. I have heard of it, but I um, I haven't participated. Okay. Um, That's at the moxibustion, right? Yeah. Um, I've used moxibustion in other methods, like before um, a, a woman gives birth. So uh, it can be used to help uh, turn the baby. So Mm. if a person is coming and uh, the baby is breached, um, there's a technique that you can do, um, along the, um, fifth toe and it will help, um, you know, circulate that energy for the baby to turn. And, um, but you, but that method of, um, the mother warming is a wonderful technique that you can do yourself that is really about uh, warming the center of your body around the navel. And that heat helps uh, circulate blood, and it helps build blood. So when a woman is fatigued, um, I mean, generally, what would be ideal is for you not to do it and for you to just receive so that a practitioner can do it. But if that's not the case, you know, you can do that in that area. And um, you can also do it along the back, like around the sacrum.
0: Okay. So well, and actually, that leads me to uh, one of my next questions I was going to ask is, what are some quick tips that you would recommend for people for mamas right now, whether they're pregnant or postpartum? to do a little self-care that they can do for themselves at home?
1: Sure. The two things that I think are most important have to do with rest and hydration. So giving into the experience of if your baby is resting, lay down and turn the phone off Um, and make sure that you're well hydrated, drinking at least half of your weight in ounces. So You know, whether it's the big, um, you know, smoothie bottles, Mm -hmm. drink a lot of water. When it comes to acupressure, some simple techniques that you can do yourself relate to self massage. So, one point that I really like is on the inner side of the leg between the knee and the ankle. And if you take your hand, and hold it up like a high five the space between your index finger and pinky is about the length of where that point is so take your hand and press it above your ankle and if you follow the inside of the bone Mm -hmm. um, more on the front side of the bone than the back side you're going to actually feel that you might feel some soreness and so if you palpate and do these circular motions that is an area that i think is highly effective for moving energy from your feet and back down um so this directional up and down cool and you know you can actually do even though there are many points you could do the whole inside of your leg and combine that Mm. with um, some oil um whether it's like apricot oil or i um I found, uh Bio Biotone offers this carrot seed and um, avocado oil that I'm really thinking is quite earthy and it smells mm-hmm. really good. And uh, it's like a, it's not too greasy. And so I apply that along the inner sides of the
0: legs. Would um, a nice coconut oil work too? Yes. I was yes. just thinking, what do I have currently right now at my parents' house? I've got some good coconut oil that I'll use. Why? Not, what's up with the uh, the carrot oil and apricot? Do those do those do different things or just different smells?
1: Um, it they um, it's just things that I've been exploring. It's more of about personal preference than it is <laughs> anything. But uh, you know, within um, East Asian medicine, there's a whole component related to dietary therapy, and so I do know that you know, carrots are very earthy because they're a root vegetable. And so, and the shape of them is like more yang in nature than yin. And so Mm. my um, first assumption would be what are the meridians that go with earth energy? And that would be the stomach and the spleen. And what type of action would it do? It's probably more toning for yang chi so that's the direction moving up ascending okay. and um when it comes to apricots like apricots uh, are a stone fruit and so again that is um the the smell of it is sweet and it's also corresponds with the earth element and the earth element corresponds with the stomach and spleen but it's round and so it probably has more of a yin component so it probably goes more to the spleen than the stomach not positive but there are things that you can do um, to like learn more about how whole foods um, correspond with the whole elemental system of yin and yang and also the five elements and it's great to be able to eat with Within the seasons and yeah, um, and 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 that and then you know like okay, I want to use this at this time because this feels right. So using coconut oil, um, you know that would be another um, summertime oil to use versus okay. say sesame oil, which is more of a winter oil.
0: Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've had some um ayurvedic massages and it was winter time and they used a lot of sesame oil, which I believe, um, is very good in general for women. Um, it's because, wonderful. Yeah. And it, they've, I've, every time I've gotten services, they've always used, um, sesame oil and they always stress the importance of it for women in particular. Um, but yeah, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard about those other ones. And um, I'm just going to say this one more time, just in case anyone following along is, isn't getting this this massage thing. So, okay, it's between... You, you-,
1: can just, you can look up Spleen 6 Acupuncture oh, Point perfect. and just Google that. And then um, there, one site that I like a lot is called Yin, Yin Yang House. Okay. And um, it'll show you the exact location of where it is.
0: Oh, wonderful. And then one question I had was Is it movements like I know in um, Ayurveda, there's a lot of movements, I think, away from the heart or towards the heart? Does it matter both. in both? Okay, so going up and down. Correct. Okay, wonderful. But um,
1: technically, um, when it comes to. Um, the meridians because it's on the inner part of the legs Mm -hmm. which is the yin side you want to stroke up and anything that is on the outside of the legs which is more yang in nature you want to stroke down so you're trying to like move the energy out and lift the energy up and move the energy out and lift it back up yeah those are qigong moves so i've i've studied that for about a year and a half and
0: some basic understanding that's great cool you got me like rubbing my shin as we're talking feels really nice Um, well wonderful i think the last thing i wanted to ask is just you know during this time i know it's um and you're still on maternity leave for uh, another month or so so what are um when you are starting back up your practice what is that going to look like what are what are some offerings um that you're offering for your clients right now um, just talk a little bit about that. So if people want to reach out and, and get some services and, and work with you, what that looks like right now.
1: Yeah, well, because of everything happening with COVID-19, we have, um, we're changing our, the structure of our office where uh, we will be providing um, telehealth or telemedicine support. So if people are interested in virtual support regarding Chinese herbs, essential oils, acupressure, massage. Those are things that we can work with Um, and it's specific to people who are in DC. So um, if you do not live in DC, a helpful website to go to is through the uh, American Society of Acupuncturists and their website is asacu.org and there you can select the map um, of the country and select your state and go to your um, state to and it'll pull up a directory of acupuncturists who are um, nationally accredited. That's awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: I did not know about that.
1: (laughs) So and then when it comes to the office, uh, for those who wish to come to the office, we have uh, protocols in place so that it's, um, CDC compliant. And, uh, and so anyway, we are, we definitely are going to be moving differently because even though I typically see people one-on-one the, um, we're just increasing our everything related to hygiene and preparing people so that, um, people are well-informed and know that we're providing a safe environment. Um, and so, uh, but I will be wearing like a trip, you know, basically a double mask where I'll be wearing a mask and a, and a face guard mm-hmm. and, um, um, and you know, there's going to be a lot of hand-washing yeah. typically is, but <laughs> it's going to be even like, everything's going to be wiped down. Yeah. So yeah,
0: this is, uh, this is how life is now. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's nice to know that, you know, yeah, my husband and I had a conversation before we flew out here, which was like, if this is what life is going to be like for the, the near future, you know, how does that, how do we adjust and, and what is our new normal? And, um, yeah, everyone's got to decide that for themselves, but I'm, I'm glad you're taking precautions and, and still, you know, there to help people.
1: And one thing I'd like to, as as not a practitioner but more of a, a patient, I've experienced um, telehealth support through four different avenues: one with the doula, one with the therapist, one with a lactation consultant, and now a pediatrician. And I am finding that I, you know, being able to get that emotional support, I still feel connected. And I'm learning that the benefit of it is um, it cuts down on all the commute and all the stress of getting to the office on time and parking. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm finding that there are a lot of benefits. So I think the most important thing um, is to be a, in terms of looking at yourself as a medical consumer and making the best choices for you.
0: Hi there. Thanks for listening in. I'm always looking for new guests on the show. So I thought I'd turn the mic to you. Are you interested in being a guest? Or maybe you have a mama friend in your life you'd like to nominate. Send me a DM on Instagram at the motherhood project podcast. And I'd love to connect. Also, if you liked like this week's episode, please leave a review and share with a friend so other mamas can find me too. And if you want to learn more about Nicole or reach out to her directly, you can find her website at mclaughlin-acupuncture.com or email her at info at mclaughlinacupuncture.com. And you can find those in the show notes as well. Have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you again next Friday.